Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Social Contract, a commander podcast. I'm Mike Allman, and joining me is my co-host, Alex Lapp. Alex, what's up, man? Hey, Mike. Not too much. Happy to be here. And uh, yeah. today, we're going to talk about uh, staple removing, but no, it's not the famous EDH Rec article series by Jalen. Uh, this mm-hmm. is staple removing for the purposes of putting in a group hug staple or a political yeah. staple. It's 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 like deck tapes. It's deck tech staple removal replacement effect. Replacement effect. We're gonna call this a replacement <laughs> effect. Um, also, hey, I think we figured out the uh, the episode title. Um, but yeah, we we're looking at some of the more common cards for the most part mm-hmm. that are considered staples in the format. And, hey, how about we make these a little bit more fun, a little bit more social contract worthy? And often quite a bit cheaper. Oh, yeah. No, I I, I went through the list uh, to start with and then went, okay, cool. Let's see how many decks that each of these are in. And then also noticed a prominent theme uh, with a couple of uh, exceptions. But, yeah, yeah, this is... This is a lot of variants. Um, I think we're almost going to uh, catch up on, you know, with all the set reviews, we haven't done a whole lot of, ooh, can I see that segments lately? Oh, we're going to do like we're gonna, 10 of those. Yeah, yeah. we're going we're gonna to hit those in a, in a kind of ridiculous order here. Um, Although very, so, very few of these are under a thousand decks. Yes, there's there are a couple, but we're talking... One percent or less on just about every card, with the exception of like three. Either way, there's a lot here, and we're gonna try and make your decks a little bit more interactive with the people at the table, mm-hmm. and uh, have some fun with it. So, Alex, do you want to start us off? What 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 card do you want to hit first, and what are we changing it to? Well, Mike, I think uh, it'd be most appropriate to start with Soaring, which is by yeah. far the most popular card in the format. I think everybody knows that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's staple doesn't even cover it. I mean, people no. say that there's that there's only 99 cards in your deck, and the hundredth card is Soul Ring. Now, I don't right. subscribe <laughs> to that, but that's a choice that I make on a deck by deck basis to power down my decks. I think that if you're trying to make a a deck of nominal power, Soul Ring is probably going to go in there. But what if exactly. we don't want to make the most powerful deck? What if we want to make a more fun deck? What options do we have to replace Soul Ring, but not necessarily remove its functionality from the mm-hmm. deck itself? Well, I mean, we have probably, I mean, this is the theme for the actual social contract podcast, right? Like Veteran Explorer is kind of our mascot, if any card is going to be our oh, mascot for sure. at this point. Um, so just to go through it, You've heard us talk about it a thousand times. It's still just the best. The best. Uh, one green for a one-one human soldier scout. When veteran explorer dies, each player may search their library for up to two basic lands and put them onto the battlefield. Then each player who searched their library this way shuffles it. Um, there are there are a few one mana search for eight lands cards. Gosh, um, and it's a death effect so if you recur it it can get ridiculous it is one of those fun things that if you play this turn one turn two turn four turn six it really doesn't matter it's fun it gives everybody the opportunity to say hey we're gonna go fast this game we're gonna have a fun time yeah 
and I, I, I get, you've said several times, you know, uh, veteran explorer is your soul ring in a couple of, it is. Yeah. And I, I've loved that theme and that's actually what kind of inspired this whole episode. Um, because Hey, you can do the powerful thing. You can do the, what you're supposed to do thing. But sometimes it's really fun to do the weird thing or the interactive with the table thing and the, hey, does anybody want to hit this for me? Exactly. I mean, when you think about it, and this is really our whole ethos, the game is more fun when everybody at the table is engaged with the game. Their Mm -hmm. deck is functioning. They're able to do the plays that they're trying to do. That doesn't mean that uh, everyone's going to win. That just means that everybody has a fair shot to actually see their deck work regardless of whether they're a perfect deck builder or they brought a meta deck things like veteran explorer especially as a one drop uh creature allow sort of this uh start the game with a bang effect when when you turn one a soul ring everyone's like oh well great you're gonna start the game with a bang but with veteran explorer it's like oh okay well this game's gonna start for everyone quite a bit faster people will be able to get their commanders out faster Yep. Um, it's it's <laughs> we just, just a great card. We just got to make sure that you can deal one damage to this thing. That's all we need for everybody to start cooking. Soul Ring is one of those cards. They've reprinted it a billion upon a billion mm-hmm. times. And it is absolutely a staple. Like you said, it's still like a $2 card because people so always ubiquitous. need it. Yeah. It, I mean, Veteran Explorer is a, it, it's in just under 3,700 decks. It's a quarter. It's a criminal small number so let's go on the other side of the spectrum here because we also have a a one mana quote unquote uh card that can get you a bunch of lands as well as everybody else differently though uh collective voyage is one of those cards that every time that i do end up casting it it might always it might not always work out in my favor exclusively as far as like everybody's going to get a benefit but i've never regret casting it um one mana sorcery that has joined forces starting with you each player may pay any amount of mana each player searches their library for up to x basic land cards where x is the total amount of mana paid this way put them onto the battlefield tapped then shuffle their library so this can be real, real simple. Just, okay, I'm going to play Collective Voyage and I'm going to tap for two mana. How much do you want to go? How much do you want to go? How much? Do you, and it goes around the table. And you know what? Worst case scenario, if you're the person that paid three mana to give everybody two lands, that's not terrible. But if you want to get insane, this this can be a turn three. Hey, everybody. Let's go. I love this card. I always have. Yeah, this is a very nice card. Um, unlike Soul Ring and Veteran Explorer, this has received uh, only a single reprint. It was in Commander mm-hmm. uh, 2011 and Commander 2016. Uh, so it's creeping up there in price. But that said, this card is... As long as you're using your words with the table, right? Because Group Hug yep. isn't just... A, a game about running a deck full of friendly cards. It's also about using those cards as part of a social tactic. And mm-hmm. part of that is encouraging people that in a way we are all on the same team and that team is let's all try to have a fun game. 
And using ideas like that and language like that can encourage people to do something that a lot of people who look at this card would think that no one would ever do, and that's pay mana to help their opponents. Um, I think that you'd be surprised as long as you're playing this against decks and you play it at the right time, right? Because you need to mm-hmm. look at everyone else's mana sources. Are they tapped out? Uh, are they holding mana up for something else? You need to determine, are people willing to put into this? And then you have that second layer of, uh, how much do I want to put in as the caster of this spell? Because if I put too much in, that may actually discourage other people from putting things oh, in. They might sure. think, oh, well, five lands is enough. Or I don't even have five basics in my whole deck. Um, but yeah, I mean, this for the effect that this gives... This is a very aggressively costed card, and that's what I love about group hug in politics, Mike. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those things where you said, like, when you're playing a card like this, it is group hug, but you have to have the conversation. You have to have to talk. More times than not, when you're playing group hug, you're also playing politics yeah. at the same time. Um, because if you just give everybody everything all the time, it gets to an arms race point where it can be super battle cruisery, and those are cool games as well. But sometimes you got to say, hey, I'm offering you resources, so what are we going to do about this? Right. Hey, I have a spell I can cast, and we can all get a benefit here, but I'm not going to just go in on my own. You know, you, you have to, yes, you absolutely have to kind of get a read of the room. And the fact of the matter um, is that uh, we've talked about this technique before. You are always allowed to reveal cards from a hidden zone, such as your hand, that you have access to. Not from your library, but from your hand. And you would always have the option of, hey, uh, I would like to ramp us out, but uh, to cast this, I'm going to need to see that everybody wants to take part in it. And you can do that just by revealing the card from your hand. You don't have to put this on the stack and then start, you know, asking for handouts like it's a fundraiser, you can strategically <laughs> plan to cast this card uh, in, in such a way that you're not going to get hosed no matter what happens. Right. And the other thing to consider here is, as a reference for kind of what we're going to be talking about for the rest of this episode, are we saying that Veteran Explorer or Collective Voyage are more powerful than Soul Ring? Uh, debatable. Sometimes, but Now, they are green. Always. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're not a one-to-one replacement every time, but we're going to try and lean that way as much as I possible. I think you'll be surprised. That's what our goal for this yeah. episode is. If you just take the plunge and make yes. these one-for-one replacements, you don't have to permanent, like, I solemnly swear I will replace all of my soul rings with veteran explosions. Right, right, no, right. Just try it out, do some homework, as as CMDR Central would uh, would say, and yes. try out this swap. And, and for the most part, we have... Uh, tried to make most of the cards we're recommending today a easy one-for-one swap um, such that you can try this alternate way of playing. Maybe you're a player who likes to listen to us but doesn't really understand why you might play uh, mm-hmm. political or group pug cards. This is a, a way to try to dip your toe in the pool. Yeah, let, it, it's not a mandate. It's a recommendation. And uh, we hope that you follow through on it. Um, let's go to something a little bit more mean. Uh, I want to talk about Wrath of God because it is an iconic card. You're talking about over 30,000 close to, heck, we're at 33,000 decks for a $4 card that says 
two mana, white, white, sorcery, destroy all creatures that can't be regenerated. It is, I don't know, Alex, are, are there any cards I, that have like a better overall value on that kind of, it's, yeah, it's I mean, there are, for a reason. There are board wipes sure. that can achieve greater value than that, but oh, yeah. they're not always going to achieve greater value than that, and they depend on the board state. So, for ex- a card like uh, Blasphemous Act, yeah, mm-hmm. sure, it's eight and a red, but you expect that when you're casting it, you're hoping that you'll get it down to as low as possible, hopefully only for a single red. Sure. And uh, uh, Hour of Revelation, I believe it is, um, mm-hmm. from uh, from Amonkhet or, or the following set, is mm-hmm. a card that costs uh, triple white and uh, three, I believe, but you can get it down to triple white. There are other board wipes that can get you better value than Wrath of God. Yeah, Wrath Toxic of God is the, Deluge yeah. is a three mana, yeah. but you have to pay life to do it, and it gets around to... Sh- you know, indestructible effects. There's a bunch of them, but Wrath of God is, I mean, it's it's out there. It's been printed a bunch of times. People use it, and it, it works, you know? But we can make it more fun, right? Oh, we can make board wipes more fun. Absolutely. Alex, what, give me give me a board wipe that's more fun. Okay, so I have two board wipes that I would recommend swapping with yeah. Wrath of God, or maybe really any other board wipe. Um, Wrath of God is just our quintessential stand in here. Let's mm-hmm. start with uh, one of my favorite board wipes, Winds of Abandon. Yeah. Winds of Abandon is a sorcery for one and a white, that's two mana, that says exile target creature you don't control. For each creature exiled this way, its controller searches their library for a basic land card. Those players put those cards onto the battlefield tap, then shuffle, and it has overload for four white white, which would turn this from a target of removal to a board wipe removal. Um, mm-hmm. For six mana. Now, this is very similar to what right removal spell, Mike? Oh man! See, <laughs> when, it, when we were talking about exile target creature, you don't control, but you can overload it to each. I was thinking more like Cyclonic Rift. Well, I was I was thinking about the more on the one mana white card side, the the staple spot removal. Oh, oh, sorry. Uh, uh, this uh, path to exile. Yeah, this this is quite yeah. similar to Path to Exile, right? Um, but it also has that mode that that reminds you of Psychrift. It's kind of a cross between uh, Path to Exile and Cyclonic Rift. Sure. And the thing that I love about it is that it's a board wipe that doesn't really slow the game down, right? No, because you're generating a ton of value for your opponents. However, whatever they were currently working on is done. They're going to bring out new threats with the new mana that you gave them. That's what you want when you're running this card. But what's very nice here is you don't have to do that. You can do the spot removal version, and you're only paying uh, one mana more than you would for uh, Path to Exile. Yeah. It's it's a good card in that this... I mean, Winds of Abandon can be a finisher for you. Yes, it can win you the game. White. Yeah. Um, but it can also be, like you said, it's it's a flexible card. It can be a you know, slightly slower and one more mana than a path to exile. But heck, if there's four threats out there, if there's three threats out there and you just need them to go away, that's also totally reasonable. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a good card. It's a very good card, but I have another one. You know what? What if, what if <laughs> I, what if I'm sitting here going, you know, like that's, that's still, I mean, that's cool. It's de- like, I have more like, fun with that's that. That's kid stuff. I want people to be afraid of me. 
I want it to be silly. Yeah. I want fun. I want to interact. Right. What, what's another one that I could deal with? The second board wipe I wanted to talk about is Coercive Portal, which is perhaps the second greatest colorless board wipe after All Is Dust. Uh, Coercive Portal is a four mana artifact with Will of the Console. At the beginning of your upkeep, starting with you, each player votes for Carnage or Homage. If Carnage gets more votes, sacrifice Coercive Portal and destroy all non-land permanents. If Homage gets more votes or the vote is tied, draw a card. It's such a fun card. It's very fun. This is I, I love so voting cool. cards. Yeah, voting is the best. <laughs> Uh, but it first of all, voting for Carnage or Homage, that's fun. Second of all, sacrifice it and destroy all non-land permanents. The idea of giving everybody the opportunity to bargain or to debate or to vote outright for, you know what, we need a reset or not, is great. Because the only time that this is really going to hurt you is if you're in the best board state. But if you're in the best board state, probably not playing you either, this. Yeah, you're, you're, it's very unlikely that you're playing Coercive Portal, keeping it around because there's no reason to board wipe. And then by the time that it ever gets to a board wipe, it's because you've accrued enough power. Like, you know what's in your hand. You know how to plan things out. You have information that the rest of the table doesn't have. So Coercive Portal is one of those things that I love when this is even if it lasts towards the end of the game and it's me and one other person and I'll just, uh, all right, vote is tied. I'll draw a card. Vote is tied. I'll draw a card. Like if that's the downside of this card for the most part. Yeah. It's a cool card. Yeah. This is a very interesting card. Now it's definitely crept up there because it's only had a single printing in the original conspiracy. Mm -hmm. It's gotten up to about $11. Um, But I mean, hopefully they get us a reprint on this card because voting effects are so fun. It, it seems like this is one of those cards that I was kind of bummed out when, you know, Commander Legends, it didn't it didn't come out, mm -hmm. you know, because it, it or, or even the this is a card that would have loved to go into the Silver Quill uh, Commander. Oh, deck. for sure. Uh, but it, it's it is good. And here's the thing. I absolutely agree. You know, it's we're talking about eleven dollars versus Wrath of God. It's four dollars. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But this is also a card that goes into it can go into just about any deck. It is a colorless artifact. And it's only in like sixteen hundred decks. Yeah. I, which is surprising because it's so good. I, I guess people really like control. But I get it. Just delightful. So there's, those are a couple of different types of uh, board wipes. Alex, why don't you give me the next card that we're going to look into uh, swapping out a bit? Sure, Mike. Uh, draw spells are very important in this game. Oh, and yeah. I think that people just in general are drawn to the most powerful ones. Uh, for example, like Blue Sun Zenith. Mm -hmm. Very ubiquitous draw spell. X triple blue. Uh, for an instant, target player draws X cards and then shuffle Blue Sun Zenith into its owner's library. This mm -hmm. is, I mean, it's great. And then we have uh, some some quite similar effects in, uh, what do we have, uh, Stroke of Genius, which yep. is the uh, same thing. It's an instant for uh, X2 and Blue. 
um, and you'll draw X cards, but it doesn't shuffle back in. Now, both quite popular cards, but uh, I think mm-hmm. that we can find a more fun way to spend that mana. Uh, the first option is the the next card in the set uh, that Collective Voyage was in, and that's Mind's Glow, uh, which is yes. for a single blue mana. It's a sorcery with joint forces. Starting with you, each player may pay any amount of mana, uh, and then each player draws X cards where X is the total amount of mana paid this way. This is a really fun card. If if we talked about how much fun Collective Voyage is, because ramping is cool and giving everybody the opportunity to ramp is cool. I am in the minority where I think ramping is more fun than drawing cards. Most people really I don't know if you're in the cards. minority. I love ramping. I, I don't include enough card draw. I always have enough ramp, often That's too fair. much ramp. I, I, I love, I, I, I'm sorry. I'm, you know what? Fair, fair point. I'm, I am sorry if I projected onto anybody there. I love Minds Aglow because it is how many cards do we want to draw table? And that's always fun for me because yeah. it is literally, a, Hey, I'm the one who's putting myself at a disadvantage here because I'm going to pay this man and you're all going to untap before. And you're going to be a card down. Yeah. Yeah. So if we're talking about how much fun this can be, let's go for it. Yeah, and the interesting thing about this one is that uh, unlike Collective Voyage, where mm-hmm. when you hit, say, five or six uh, combined mana from the table, uh, people might be uh, more reticent to, to contribute more because they're like, okay, well, either I don't have more than five or six mm-hmm. basics remaining in my deck, or I don't need more than five or six lands to win the game right now. Diminishing returns. Right. However, with Minds Gloat, has anyone ever looked at a card draw spell and said, five's enough? No, they want to draw 50 <laughs> cards. Everyone wants to draw all the cards all the time. Battle cruiser. No one's going to look at the pile and say, <laughs> oh, well, four? I don't need any more than four cards. Are you mm-hmm. kidding me? It's It's so good, and it's another one where you get everybody involved. And you know what? Say you're looking at the table and everybody's tapped out except for you. Well, then here's another option. How about prosperity? Uh, So one blue and X for a sorcery that says each player draws X cards. That's it. Oh, yeah. It's real simple. It's it's minds aglow except for you're the only participant. Everybody draw this many cards. This this one is a little bit closer to Blue Sun Zenith in effect. Yeah. Um, You're getting... We talked about this before. Due to the cost, in scare quotes, of more cards being drawn, just for other people, not just for you, uh, mm-hmm. instead of paying triple blue and X, you're paying single blue and X at sorcery speed. And even though it seems like, oh, well, you're only saving two mana, think about how that actually translates to the actual use cases. Let's say yes. that you want to uh, draw four cards, okay, with blue sun zenith that's going to be uh triple blue and x is four so that's seven mana to draw four cards mm-hmm. and it's a little bit i mean that's not terrible but uh that's that's quite the price but with prosperity if you want to draw four cards that's five mana uh yeah. i'm i feel a lot better about that one and also the rest of the table is also drawing four cards sometimes you need everybody to dig for an answer Sometimes yeah, we talk about that all the just, time. Sometimes it's time yeah. for people to dig. Um, and yeah. there's there's nothing wrong 
if you again, if you're in a competitive format, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to give any of my opponents answers. Okay, fine. But if you just want to get the most value, sometimes it's giving it away too. Speaking it's, of giving, it's not carded value away. We have good. another option uh, that is almost the exact same card, but you have an additional modal option put on uh, for a little yes. bit of extra cost. Fascination. Uh, this is one that I was really surprised because uh, when we're talking about, you know, Prosperity is in, in 4,000 decks, Minds of Glow is in just over 4,200. This card isn't even in 2,000 decks and it's less than a quarter and it is really good. Yeah, I don't really understand other than the, uh, I guess I would say the standard answer of people see each player and they, you know, curl up into the fetal position until it goes away. <laughs> but Fascination is X double blue for a sorcery uh, modal spell. Choose one. Each player draws X cards or each player mills X cards. Now, just the fact that you have each player mills X cards on there as an option immediately turns this from just a group hug draw spell to also, now it's a win con. Yep. Even if you're not in a mill deck, which, by the way, if you're in a mill deck, you should be playing this. And basically, I have no, no mill idea decks how are. This isn't more, yeah, it, how is this not more like mill decks? It's in like 10% of mill decks. It's disgusting. Um, very, very usable win con. We, mm-hmm. we know that in a group hug, battlecruiser style deck, by the end of the game, by turn 9, 10, 11, 12, we're generating so much mana because we're giving oh, yeah. so much value away we're building up such an impregnable huge monumental board state what are we going to do with all of this mana well one of the options is to use an effect that you would normally spend a little bit of mana on how about x equals 30 and now yeah. everyone mills 30 cards or everyone mills 50 cards okay now milling isn't going to cause you to win on the spot for that you'll have to wait until their upkeep so pass the turn, okay, you draw and lose instantly. Next player's turn, you'll draw and lose. Next player's turn, they draw and lose. And just like that, you won. It's it's not quite, not quite at, ooh, can I see that? It's close. It's really close. It's an uncommon it's, from Fate Reforged. It's, you can buy it for a quarter. Oh, yeah. This, this card costs <laughs> nothing. Everybody pay more attention. Group hug and Mildex alike should love this card. It's our job to talk about these kind of cards that fall under the wayside because they are symmetrical or they are group huggy, which means less value and advantage, except for it usually means more value because you're the one who knows what's going on. Um, Let's go on to another one here. You know what? It's been too long since we talked about ramp. I'm getting itchy already. Uh, let's talk about two of the biggest staples, uh, in green ramp, uh, Kadama's Reach and Cultivate. Mm -hmm. Uh, these are both two generic and a green for effects that say, search your library for two basics, put one onto the battlefield tapped and the other one into your hand, sorcery, speed. You're talking about 106,000 for, uh, for Kadama's Reach and... 140,000 plus. Staple doesn't even begin to describe it. These cards are monsters. Monsters. In the three mana ramp slot. Great value. Get a land onto the battlefield. Have your next land drop for sure. Totally fine. 
I'm bored with it. I don't want to do what it. What if anymore. we can make it more fun at the yeah. same mana cost, Mike? How would you feel about that? Oh, so much. So, oh, I love right. it, Alex. And this is a card that you and I got to discover recently. Yeah, shout and... out to uh, to Leo at Game Night who showed us uh, perhaps the only group hug card left that I haven't heard of. Clear the <laughs> land. Two and a yeah. green for a sorcery. Each player reveals the top five cards of their library, puts all land cards revealed this way onto the battlefield tapped, and exiles the rest. Now, why do we love this card, Alex? Uh, well, because everyone's going to ramp a bunch of lands. Number one. And I don't know, Mike, what's the other reason? Oh, there's a couple. Okay. Uh, next reason, this is a this is a 40 cent card. Oh, sure. Super cool. This is an 152 yeah, deck. No one has ever, if we haven't heard of it, and we're, you know, the Grip Hug fanatics, how the hell is anyone else ever going to ever heard of it? It's an 152! Yeah. This is our Ukanasi <laughs> that segment. Clear the land is yes. an 152 green decks, which is 0% of green decks. It's, it's so fun, too, because I love the idea of, hey, we're all going to ramp. Hopefully, maybe, I don't know. Hope you get, hope we get lucky. <laughs> it's I love the idea of like even me playing this. I love the idea of, oh, well, I whiffed. What did everybody else get? Yeah. Cuz cuz that's fun for me. That's almost like, you know, the chaos warp effect or the like, hey, we're going to flip into something and hope for the best. What do we got, everybody? Um Can't even describe it, the joy of Seeing a card that is so clearly a group hug card that is so viable as a group hug card, and I've never once laid eyes upon it before. Yeah, yeah. This was this was serendipity because I was I was visiting uh, St. Louis, our our mutual area, and uh, managed to get a couple of games in with you. And this card was played by neither of us, and we both. Just kind of stared yeah, at I was it in awe for a while. Like, what is that? We had a literal ooh. Can I see that moment? Yeah, that's <laughs> I took that's the best part of the game. Is you can I see that? And so it's it's a very cool card and definitely something worth uh, sixty exploring. cents. Printed in, yeah. it's a rare from Mercadian Masts. Sixty yep. cents. Yep. Let's 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 get that up. Let's get that up to a dollar. Come on, everybody. Oh boy. Um, all right. Alex, I talked about some ramp spells. I, I, I've, I've scratched my itch okay. for a little bit. Uh, what do you got for me next? Mike, what's the... Mm, so powerful, so controversial. Uh, mm-hmm. You see it all the time in CDH. We're talking about tutors. Tutors uh, are a very contentious part of the game because they make a deck more consistent, more powerful. Yep. You're going to find your combo pieces and win faster. What if we could make tutors... More fun for the table in just the best ways. Now, the first one, I mean, let's start by talking about what we're comparing to, and and that's the big boys, Vampire Tutor, uh, which is a single black for an instant. It's the big mama. Search your library for a card, then shuffle your library and put that card on top of it. You lose two life. Uh, This card is banned in Legacy and restricted in Vintage. For good reason, it's arguably the single most powerful tutor in the entire game. Um, but believe it or not, this $45 card has yep. a 
very easy swap that makes it way more fun. Mike, tell me about the card that we just talked about like last episode. Yeah, I I hate to repeat it, except for I don't, because it's awesome. Scheming Symmetry, everybody, Scheming Symmetry, Scheming Symmetry. symmetry. One black for a sorcery. Choose two target players. Each of them searches their library for a card, shuffles their library, puts that card on top. Awesome, simple, great. We don't want to, you know, uh, hit it too much because we just talked about it, but suffice to say, any deck that you're running a Vampiric Tutor in that isn't also a CEDH deck... I would just swap that out like this every single day of the week, Mike. Yeah. Uh, Imperial Seal as well, if you're very wealthy. Um, oh, yeah. Good Lord. Scheming Symmetry, just such an easy and fun swap. But that's not the only option. And it's not huh? even the only option in black. We actually have yeah. a second card in black that I would love to talk about. Wishclaw Talisman, uh, which, you know, some people have uh, found themselves enjoying because, you know, they're trying to cheat it and... And get it so only they can use it. I don't want to use it like that. I want to use it in the way where we're allowing other people to use the wish. Wishclaw Talisman for one and a black. It's an artifact that says Wishclaw Talisman enters the battlefield with three wish counters on it. And then you can pay one tap and remove a wish counter from Wishclaw Talisman. Search your library for a card. Put it into your hand. Then shuffle. An opponent gains control of Wishclaw Talisman. Activate this ability only during your turn. It's. I would like to give you the opportunity to tutor. Hey, you want to give it back to me? Yeah, there it, you go. It's, it's it's a very fun card because yeah, you get to have that. Okay, let's talk about this way. You, I mean, it comes with counters, so if you want to proliferate, go. It's nuts. also an artifact, so it's easier to recur. Yep, it is cool to be able to make deals with. Hey. I will let you go find whatever you want. Don't don't beat me over the head with it. And after you're done finding it, how about you send it back over this way? What you think? Yeah, um, and, I think the the flavor of this is, in my opinion, pretty clearly meant to be the monkey's paw. Yeah. Which I can't imagine anyone's never heard of that legend, but the monkey's paw is uh, basically the physical artifact embodiment of the genies of old. Uh, not the, you know, Robin Williams Aladdin genie where he's uh, happy to serve you and sing lots of songs. The kind of genie where they will grant your wish with an ironic twist. The ironic twist in this case being that your enemy gains control of the power. Uh, but for us, I think that's actually quite the upside. Yeah. Yeah. It's that's it, it's it's there's no downside to it. It's more. Fun. That's group and, for us. Right. The downside is yeah. really an upside. Exactly. And I mean, we're talking about a two dollar card. Like, hey, I want to wait a tutor, but I don't want to spend $45 on Vampiric. All right. This is a lot cheaper and recurrable, and you can actually make some allies with it. Have fun, kids. So fun. I like that. But, and you know, we have to also give a nod to another card we talked about pretty recently here noble benefactor love it even less decks we're talking about less than a thousand decks a quarter for a card that it's it's a death trigger everybody tutor two generic and a blue for a two two cleric if noble benefactor is put in the graveyard each player may search their library for one card put that card into your hand even better then you shuffle so it's not even tutoring on top, yeah. just tutoring in hand. Such a cool card. Absolutely has to be in here. The interesting thing about it is because 
this tutor has no uh, restrictions on what type or character of a card that you're searching for. And because this card is so old, uh, it doesn't have the requirement that you reveal the card that you that you searched for, which yeah. in blue is extremely unusual. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it, there's no yeah exactly there's no requirement for it to be a card type there's no requirement for you to reveal it you put it out there and you say hey everybody if somebody kills this it, it like very much like the uh, veteran explorer hey when this goes away we're all gonna have some fun. Who wants to have fun? I love the uh, the art on this uh, by D. Terlizzi, uh, which basically depicts, I guess, a, a nobleman who mm-hmm. is just this very jovial-looking uh, elderly man who's uh, gingerly proffering a corn purse, like, all right, now go down to the corner store and get yourself something nice, because that's exactly <laughs> how I feel when I'm playing this card. I dig it. See, I like this card because... This cleric is the noble benefactor, but I also feel like I'm the noble yeah, benefactor. Really, you're the noble benefactor. It's like, <laughs> it's, all right, now everyone go find your best card in your deck, or have a good or time, or not, or just find the land you're missing. Either one. All right, Alex. You know what? I I miss talking about ramp. I want to talk about ramp some more. And again, um, you're just insatiable. Yeah. I, I well, listen. I said I liked it more than drawing cards. Now I got to really. I got to really drive that point home. Uh, so let's talk about the the four mana uh, ramp spells. There's not too uh, many people who are willing to run four mana ramp anymore. Yeah, uh, but those that are, I mean, we're talking about explosive vegetation and migration path, which I was twenty eight thousand. Yeah, yeah, twenty eight thousand and sixteen thousand. You know, I was. I, I think that myself, and I'm I'm not alone in this. That uh, being someone who consumes commander content and uh, mm-hmm. tries to avail myself of the current sort of global meta of EDH, if that could even be said to be a thing, that the game has kind of been speeding up and that even really cards like Kodama's Reach and and Cultivate have been falling away because people have started to prefer two mana ramp. Uh, so it astounds me that sorcery speed four mana ramp is phenomenally popular because as we know, EDH rec no longer categorizes uh, and archives decks that are older than two years old. So these are not 28,000 decks from the Stone Age of EDH where nobody knew what they were doing. These are new decks that are still running four mana ramp. So for those people, Mike, tell them what we got. Yeah, so, I mean, they both basically read the same thing. Search your library for two basic land cards, put them on the battlefield tap, then shuffle your library. Uh, Migration Path also has Cycling too. So So just better. It, which is just strictly better. Um, it's not in as many decks. I, it's I'm going to lean that more newer. towards it's much newer. Yeah. It hasn't been reprinted, you know, explosive vegetation amount of times. But it's four mana to get two basic lands. Right. And that's okay. You know, that's I guess that's the going rate for most things, uh, you know, when you're not doing veteran explorer kind of uh, nonsense. But can we talk about a card that is just as far as I'm concerned, strictly better, and then the reasons why people won't use it as much. Uh, Alex, go through Tempt with Discovery. Oh, for me. I would be overjoyed to. Tempt with Discovery. Yeah. Three and a of Sorcery within the Tempting Offer cycle, one of my favorite cycles in the whole game. Uh, search your library for a land card and put it onto the battlefield. 
each opponent may search their library for a land card and put it onto the battlefield. For each opponent who searches their library this way, search your library for a land card and put it onto the battlefield. Then each player yeah. who searches their library this way shuffles. Mike, I think that almost everyone knows about this card, but oh, yeah. just as many people have been put off of it by other content creators who feel that the possibility that your opponents, oh my gosh, would generate value and get a land out of their deck, <laughs> well, that means we can't be running this. Uh, and if and if your opponent runs this, Mike, then you have to go get your wasteland because you right. you don't want them to get any value. Uh, I feel the opposite. I think this is better than any other format of ramp you could be running in, in green at sorcery speed. Yeah, because it, let's let's go through the everything about it. Any land, oh yeah, comes in untapped. Oh yeah, for four mana with the upside of potentially getting more. You'll get more. I here's the thing. I totally understand the like. No, you don't do that because you know what? If you do that and they get three lands of whatever they want for four mana, that can be game breaking. Okay, fine. If that's where it comes from, that's totally fine. The idea of me not running this because other people are all going to go get their wasteland or something along those lines. I, I yeah, don't screw know. that. I, I, I think you have to be in pretty competitive circumstances to be worried about that. I think if result. you've done that, because that's that's a right. That's the Achilles heel of group hug. Is if every other player player at the table is absolutely refusing to engage with your political yes. play and your group hug play, and they say. No, forget about that guy. Let's all gang up on him together. At that point, your group hug strategy has failed. And it's not the fault of Temp with Discovery. Something else has gone (laughs) wrong, and it's probably that you're playing at the wrong table or you're not really pitching them uh, this social group hug way of playing in a way that they're receptive to. Mm. So really the problem is with you, not with Temp with Discovery, which is a perfect, just beautiful, perfect card in every way. (laughs) See, for me, it's it's much more of like a, the worst case scenario that I should expect with this is it's a four mana, go find any land in my deck, put it onto the battlefield mm-hmm. untapped. Mm-hmm. There's not a whole lot of rates that are better than that for those kind of effects. There's a bunch of tutor any land and put it into your hand. There's a couple that are, hey, go get this land, it comes in tapped. But to... I mean, heck, would you pay four mana for go get Gaia's Cradle? Yeah, absolutely you would. There are a, four mana for go get Glacial Chasm. Absolutely. And Gaia's Cradle untapped, by the way. You can immediately refund yeah. mana. It's, it, I, I love Temp with Discovery. It, it is a dollar. Go go get Temp with yeah, Discovery. I would run this over Explosive Edge any day of the week. I mean, I, I, I run it over yes. <laughs> most of these ramp spells, and that's coming from the guy who I just want to ramp all the time. Okay, okay. I think I'm good. I think I'm off of ramp for the time being. So, Alex, why don't you take us in a different direction here? I got to right, fan Mike. myself. Um, now, I think that it almost goes without saying that mm-hmm. if I say the command zone or yeah. Josh Lequai, oh, someone no. in the crowd is going to shout, the Dawk and Ori! Yeah, no! The Dawk Ori is the pet <laughs> card of Josh Lequai, which is totally fine. We all have pet cards. However, we have other options. 
The Dalkin Orrery is a four mana artifact that says you may cast spells as though they had flash, which means effectively at instant speed. Um, yep. 15,000 decks. Now, Mike, Mike and I card. have, and, and there's also, uh, what's what's the blue one? Leyline of Anticipation. Um, yes. Which is the same effect, but for uh, two and double blue. Now, mm-hmm. Mike and I have, have talked about this. Mike feels that these effects are extremely powerful and should be in every deck. I'm not as certain on that one. However, they're... Af- you're, you're putting a little bit of words into my mouth there. I, I'm saying that Vidalkin Ori is one of those cards that, in the right deck, is absolutely... I think you've walked right. your position back a little bit, Mike, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, we're uh, going to have to check with this. <laughs> let's, let's, let's check the archives. Um, but there are other options. We don't have to run that. Because yeah. we have cards like titled Barracuda, Barracuda, which is three and a blue for a creature fish. It's a three for any player may cast spells as though they had flash, but your opponents can't cast spells during your turn. Great. I it's just think just, that's better. It, it It's strictly better. I mean, it's, it is easier it's, to it's remove. It's group hug strictly better. But here's the thing. I love the idea of giving everybody flash speed except for my turn because you're giving everybody a benefit, but you have a higher benefit. Mm-hmm. This isn't even a lot of the problem with group hug is giving your opponents value and not getting anything better for it. You're getting the same returns, yeah, and it which means you could cost you more. Yeah. Right. right. But title Barracuda is strictly everybody gets value and you get more. Yeah, you have this very is the- Grand oh, Abolisher-style effect um, that prevents people from interacting with your board on your turn. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, uh, people are are basically just going to be sitting there refactoring their strategy mm-hmm. now that every deck is an interaction deck. You can play a response to any spell with any other spell. Sorceries, creatures, artifacts, anything. Yep. Um, it's it's just strictly good. Strictly good. It's not the only option though. We have another option, Mike. Yeah, and this is one that I've 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 always liked. I don't. I'm gonna be honest, everybody. It's it's 40 episodes in. First of all, thanks for listening. Um, second of all, I don't I don't know if we've discussed this on an ooh. Can I see that? So maybe this is getting double duty. If it is, wham. Because it's it's worth mentioning again. Uh, Vernal Equinox. This is a card... This is an enchantment that is in a total of 469 decks. Wow. Three generic and a green. Any player may play creature and enchantment spells anytime they could play an instant. As though they you have just flash. have flash speed. Yeah, yeah it, it's just flash speed on creatures and enchantments. That's awesome. Everybody, here you go. You have a specific type of Vidalcan Orrery. Throw them out there. It's not it's not Aluren Busted to combo off with by itself. It is this really, really simple, really, really underplayed card, and it costs a dollar. And it has art by Rebecca Gay. Yeah. Which is probably why the it- foil is $42.00. Oh, okay. Well, all right. Well, if you're going to pick this up, let's talk about it. Yeah, the price the, uh, is $1 for the normal card. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I I like this card a lot because in the same way where it's, hey, I'm going to give everybody a benefit, but 
I'm probably not playing this in my Spellslinger deck. You know, like this is in my Creatures and Enchantments deck. Like many of the cards we talk about, uh, by including the card in your deck, you are already in a way breaking parity on the symmetric effect by preparing your deck for that effect. You are running more creature cards and more enchantment cards in your deck than you would expect your average opponent to be playing. Mm -hmm. It's, I love it. It, it's, it is a pet card, and it is one of those ones that, uh, it, it you said earlier, and I, I, I think you're right. One of the best things you can do in Magic, the best thing, is when somebody plays a card and you're like, wait, can I see that? Like, that's really it makes fun, a few warm right? and fuzzy inside. It, it does. Yeah. I think the only one that makes me happier is when I do it. And somebody says, wait, what's that do? And then they get excited. It's a vanishingly rare event at this point. The downside of knowing about so many cards. Yeah. But hey, we got we got that one. We we had it with Clear the Land. We're gonna we're gonna ride that high for like uh I'm gonna ride that high for probably a year. That made me really happy. Um Okay, let's let's move away from the flash speed stuff. Sure. Um sometimes you need to get rid of an enchantment or an artifact, right? Mm-hmm. It, it just it, they're they're problematic cards, you know. Maybe maybe somebody is really really mean and they decide to get rid of your <laughs> Vernal Equinox or something. Oh. Um, or maybe you're in the best board state and uh, somebody else played a coercive par- portal because they're cool people and they like playing cool cards. Well, that means you want to use a Rex Age, right? You know, it's in sixty four thousand decks. Uh, two generic and a green for a 2-1 elf shaman. When it enters the battlefield, you may destroy target artifact or enchantment. People play it all the time, Yeah, right? very popular, yeah. Now, we're going to talk about a card that there is no argument. It is strictly better, it is pricier, and it is new. So I totally get that this is not a one-to-one change. However, I want I want us to talk about this card for two reasons. One... Because it's awesome, and I love it. And then we'll get to the second part here, because I think it's a thought experiment. Alex, tell me about Druid of Purification. Druid of Purification is a creature-human Druid 2-3 for three and a green, four mana. When Druid of Purification enters the battlefield, starting with you, each player may choose an artifact or enchantment you don't control. Destroy each permanent chosen this way. So good. Oh my gosh. Green four just gets two, the most three. delicious cards. They get everything. It's a four mana two three that destroys four things. <laughs> Holy moly! Now here here's what I will say. It'll destroy two things, right? No, no, you don't control. At, at worst, this destroys one thing because every player can just choose the same thing, right? Oh yeah. Because yeah, okay. So worst case scenario, it's a Rex Age. Best case scenario, it's a Rex Age times four, for one more man. Right. That's so cool. I love this card. <laughs> uh, it again, it's in four hundred sixty four decks, but it's it's been out for weeks. Not we're not we're, ta- we're not talking years or anything. Uh, but the reason I wanted to bring this up is because this is just a strictly better Rex Age. So does this card climb in price as it becomes more and more prominent that, hey, this is just like, a You need to be really careful with, with Strictly Better because that it is hyperbole. There is a very 
clear and defined difference between a 3 CMC card and a 4 CMC card. Even though this effect is worth Mm -hmm. way more than 4 mana, it still costs more. So it's not an easy one for one swap. When you swap, your deck's curve will increase. Letter of the law, you're right. It is not strictly better. It is... Vastly better. Vastly better, yes. Okay. (laughs) It is better in all but the... Uh, It's just good. It's just good. It's just good. So here's my concern. Is this a card? It's already at $7. Oh, yeah. Is this this a card that's just going to climb in price? Not necessarily. It's brand new. It just came out in AFC. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that it... This card will remain uh, a staple, or uh, not a staple right now, but I think yeah, this yeah. card will will remain uh, a standby for for decks as long as as long as people are cognizant of it existing. Um, sure. Any green deck will take this. What a just magnificent creature, um, especially so in the good. format of slot, removing four things, and none of those things can be the things that you control. Right. Yeah. You will strictly do okay. Love it. All right, Alex, why don't you take us to another card? Okay, here? so we talked about uh, board wipes in yeah. white. Yes. But red also has board wipes. We mentioned Blasphemous Act, um, but there's also other popular red board wipes like Chain Reaction for two red red. It's a sorcery that says that Chain Reaction deals X damage to each creature where X is the number of creatures on the battlefield uh, and all the cards like Chandra's Ignition. Things that just uh, remove a ton of stuff from the board for not a lot of mana. Now, those are great. Sure. But what if you wanted your board wipes to be a lot sillier than that? Right? Yes. What if you wanted some really just kooky out there board wipes that definitely will wipe the board... But You're not all my favorite. But words. not in the way that anyone would expect you to. I have two cards that I believe I've introduced Mike to both of them in the prep yes. for this episode. First one, Mog Infestation from Tempest or from Stronghold, excuse me. Uh, for three red red, it's a sorcery. Destroy all creatures target player controls. For each creature that died this way, that player cre- uh, creates two one one red goblin creature tokens. Now, this is awesome, uh, mostly because you can blow someone out and then say, okay, listen, your board is completely out of control. I can't have you have those creatures that you have. However, before somebody else gets in here with their board wipe and leaves you with nothing, what I'm going to do is give you a ton of goblins, and all I ask is that you not blow me out with them. Uh... But that's not the only way that you can use it. You can also blow up your own board and make a vast number of goblins. Uh, this card is old. Uh, it's it's from Stronghold. <laughs> it's only I just like the build-up to old. That was awesome. 1,300 <laughs> decks. 0% of red decks. Yeah. Um, it seems to me patently clear that I mean, my goblin token decks are quite popular. Yeah. Uh, why? Why is this not seeing more play? Yeah, because like in my head, this you know, 
this is a pretty good like do i want to make more goblins for myself in, in a goblin deck and if so great or it, it, it can be used in a number of different ways if there's only one person that's the threat okay great all of those crazy things they can't be too pissed you just double the number of creatures on their board right yeah, that's what i'm saying like it's but you can it's selective right right you can use this in a multiple uh, in a bunch of different ways and i'm kind of surprised that it's not a little bit more prevalent like you know we we typically try to aim around a thousand or less this is a little bit over that you know 1300 1400 but it's still in zero percent like this is this is at least ooh. can i see that well speaking adjacent. of who can i see that before we get too far into it i do have a second one that's mm-hmm. in the very same vein um another okay. card that uh, that I'm debuting. So I'm like, Descent of the Dragons for four red red. That's a sorcery that says destroy any number of target creatures. For each creature destroyed this way, its controller creates a 4-4 four, four red dragon creature token with flying. So two things about this. One, you absolutely did introduce me to this card as we were coming up with uh, kind of some, some, you know, some of the staples that we wanted right. to play around with. And even after that, I still misread this card. I read Destroy All. Oh, no, you, you pick. Just, this is so cool. Destroy any number of target yeah. creatures. You can Great. leave the stuff that you want to leave. You can make deals to leave the stuff that your opponents want to leave. And say, listen, I am happy to leave your utility creature up. But all of these dragons I'm giving you, those go towards mm-hmm. someone else. Like, it's... How this isn't a card that is in just about any token deck I can think of that's red, I don't understand. Yeah, this is in 1,400 decks, 0% of red decks. It's a mythic from Dragons of Tarkir. So there is no way this flew under anyone's radar. Yeah, they knew what they were making. They expected it. 1,400 decks. Yeah. All right, man. I, I, I like... I like that, too. I like the idea of, you know, the, um, oh, I'm going to blow this up, but don't worry. I'm going to give you something. And this isn't just a little something. These are 4-4 flyers. Yeah. Basically, they're angels. You know, this is is beast within, but 4-4 red dragons. You know, not... You know, not exactly one-to-one by any means. Yeah, I mean, when when we pay six mana for a board wipe, we expect a lot of value out of it. And I think being able to pick... Any number of creatures that you want to remove. So ridiculous. And with that effect, you're creating this political atmosphere where basically you're just having your opponents stick a bunch of dragons on each other. Um, I mean, Mike, this this should be in pretty much every dragon deck, right? Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, heck, even think of it this way. I Part of the reason I'm surprised that this isn't in, in just about every token deck is because this can be a, I'm going to turn my tokens yeah. into 4-4 four, four flying tokens. Well, that's how I use and it. And I'm going to kill that problematic yeah. creature. If you're like in a token deck, uh, so most good. of your tokens are usually pretty low value. One ones, two twos maybe, or zero ones. Uh, upgrading all of those to big fat flyers, very, very effective. This is mm-hmm. a game ender for some token decks. I'm big fan. I'd I, I thank you very much for bringing these. Oh, of my course. So we can bring them to everybody else's attention. Um, let's talk about some more targeted removal. Okay. 
You know, it, we're, we've talked about a bunch of board wipes. Even Descent of the Dragons is kind of board wipe slash targeted in, in its own way. Um, so, you know, the big one that's out there, yeah, we could talk about, you know, remove sword, or, or you know, swords to plowshares and path to exile. You know what? They're one mana really good removal spells. Keep them. That's fine. Yep. They both also give something cool. Love it. How about Anguished Unmaking? So, and it's ilk. And it's ilk. I think yeah, there's I, about I like five it. or six other Orzov spot removal spells that are yeah, the more or ilk. less the same thing. They all cost between two and four mana, and they all okay. exile. Right, and and the, you know what, Anguished is the big one, I think, just because it's you know first of all it's in. I think it was it was the biggest one for decks. the longest amount of time. Yeah. Okay, that's reasonable. It, most I plus it's a very this. like this is. The story moment of Soren's arc. This is Soren yeah. destroying Avacyn, who has been corrupted by the Eldrazi. Now no, I'm sad, but here we go. Uh, one generic white black for an instant that says exile target non land permanent. You lose three life. Instant speed, exile something bad. Small downside of losing three life, no big deal, right? Yeah, I mean, it's a really good card. It's it's like, it's pretty great. It's strictly just a good card. There's a reason that right? even with, uh, you know, it, it actually has only been reprinted uh, once, but it, it was reprinted in the most spectacular fashion as a uh, secret lair promo card in the mm-hmm. in the style of uh, of a metal band. Uh, yeah, yeah, which, yeah. Oh, God, I did. It, like it looks super cool. But uh, this this card is yeah that's the only reprint um, since Shadows yeah. over Innistrad. Uh, and I mean it's in a bunch of decks. It's you know it, but you know what for as good as it is as as it only having the one reprint seven dollars it's not bad. It's 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 higher than I'd like for most of my cards. Right. But okay, I get it. I guess. But what are the alternatives? Yeah, that's where we get into okay. the fun. Why don't you tell me about the first one? Okay. And I'll do the second one. So. This is one of my pet cards, and I think that actually quite a lot of people know about yep. this one already, but it's uh, the amount of play it sees is is quite small uh, for the color yep. that it's in and the value that it has. Council's Judgment for one white, white, three mana for sorcery, Will of the Council. That's, I mean, that's the best way for a card to start. Starting with mm-hmm. you, each player votes for a non-land permanent you don't control, Exile each permanent with the most votes or tied for the most votes. Um, it's only had two reprints. And Mike, I think this is this isn't the most efficient spot removal in the game, but this is the most untouchable spot removal in the game. This is very important because it's 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 very interesting. Not only yeah. is it exile, which is uh, when we're talking about this kind of spot removal, that makes a difference. But mm-hmm. it's exile removal that does not target the thing that it's removing for three mana. Yes. Just voting. So there's not a hex proof. There's not a shroud. Yeah. It's it's just, hey, no, that thing's going to go away. And I, this is, again, where I do my game theory segment. If you play this card, I strongly recommend that you pick the person that is third in turn order, starting with you. It's my recommendation just about every single time. Well, what do you mean? Because, because you have to you have to vote first. Right. So you start with yourself. Yeah. I'm going to choose the person who's going to pick third. 
So not the person next to me, but the person next to them. Oh, you choose one of their permanents. I choose one of their permanents. Because then the second player is either going to pick something different, or they're going to pick that one. The third player is not going to pick their own card if the fourth player has the ability to pick something else. And the fourth player is going to pick whatever's going to be most benefit to them. So more times than not, what I'm going to do is I'm going to remove two permanents. So I either pick the second worst permanent on the board, or I pick the person who is third in the voting order in a player of, of uh, sorry, in a trip of four. I guarantee you, you can get, it's so easy to remove two things, mm-hmm. to exile two permanents with this card. You can talk about it, you can vote on it. If you deliberate too much, sometimes people are going to catch wise and say, no, we're just going to get rid of this thing. But. Well, the important thing is that uh, even though this is a voting effect, uh, just like Mm -hmm. with uh, Druid of Reclamation, uh, this can't come back to bite you. It is uh, a non-land permanent that you don't control. I can't even tell you how many times I vote for a player's permanent and then they try to turn around and vote for one of mine. I said, you should probably read the card again uh, because you can't do that. Yeah. Uh, Well, you blow up my thing. I'm going to blow up your thing. No, you're not. Yeah. Um, also, in the end, at the end of the day, uh, it's it's very relevant to to talk about this. That when you are removing things and, and wiping the board and doing control style effects, uh, talked about this with uh, some of our other cards. The uh, the crackback on that, the the hate that you'll get, the attention you'll get, the aggro you get from the other players, um, mm-hmm. it can it can definitely be attenuated by a voting effect because the responsibility is shared. Even though you're the caster of the spell, everyone else made those decisions and also you voted first. So your vote is uh, the least recent in everyone's mind. And usually it's the third or the fourth player who is making the deciding vote who is actually deciding what's getting removed. Uh, so really at the end, of the, you're kind of uh, seeming a little blameless, even though you're you're quite a bit less than blameless in that removal. Hey, I just wanted to get rid of that one thing that was a problem. It's not my fault you voted suboptimally. <laughs> Mike, tell me See, about sometimes, uh, sometimes being group hug and, and political also means that you have to you have to try and get the most value. Tell me about yourself. another <laughs> white removal spell that uh, really doesn't see as much play as it probably should. How about ablation? Yeah. So here's the thing: when we talk about removal. There's a couple of different types, right? You can exile things, you can sacrifice things, you can kill things straight out, destroy things, put them in the graveyard. I love Oblation because we're talking about a two generic and a white for an instant. The owner of target non-land permanent shuffles it into their library, then draws two cards. It's so fun! I... So... You have the beast within and the generous gift where you can destroy something and give them a beast or an elephant. Sure, and then whatever. sorts the plowshares and path to exile. Both. Sorts the plowshares, all that stuff. I like Oblation because, hey, it's going back into your deck. Shuffle it, cool, draw two cards. If you get it back, good on you. That's awesome. I love that. They probably kind of won't. Moment. They probably won't. And here's the thing. Are you going to get mad? As the owner of something that is the the priority one needs to be removed item on the battlefield, 
if you get it removed, it goes back into your deck and you get two cards out of it. Yeah. Like, of all of the feel-bads that could happen, I feel like that's the best one. You know? Yeah, this is uh, quite an interesting removal effect. It's definitely worth mentioning that even though it does target uh, the console's judgment, it does Mm -hmm. get past uh, indestructible and any other effect that would uh, normally prevent that permanent from not being hit except for protection from white right or protection from instance it it gets it gets around you know death triggers it gets around a bunch of other oh yeah they don't get to they don't get to recur from the graveyard or anything like that and believe it or not my favorite time that i've ever used this card is i had a big i don't remember exactly what it was i had a really big threat out there though like right. big scary gonna hurt things creature and somebody tried to steal it from me. Well, okay, so you I'm going to draw it. two cards instead. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> quite similar to uh, to sacrificing something to avoid yeah. getting it hit. It's 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 a very cool. This card is spell. dirt cheap. It really is thirty cents. And here's the here's the other part about this. Anguish Unmaking is in just under forty thousand decks, yeah. and requires black and white to be in the deck to play it, right? Council's Judgment is in 5,000 decks. Oblation is in just under 7,000. They cost somewhere between a quarter of the price and way less. And they're in, they're able to be in more decks. So it's, it's just surprising to me that we don't see those cards more often. Well, I mean, it's not that surprising because people are allergic to giving their opponents value. That's right. Yeah. That's right. That's right. I, I keep I keep living in my own. Yeah, we we don't think the everybody likes fun. Our listeners are of a different breed, right? We don't think the same way that other EDH players think. We see value on a card that is given to an opponent as as value. That's part of the value of the card. Veteran Explorer isn't one mana ramp two. It's one mana ramp eight, and right. six of that is for other players. I dig it. All right, Alex. So, speaking of our listeners, yeah. we're going to get to something special for them very, very soon here. But, take me through one of the saltier cards. Okay. Like, I want to make one of the cards that just gets stuck in everybody's crop. Make it change into something more fun for okay. me. What do you got? Now, I think we're all familiar with Expropriate. This is what? the quintessential blue Wincon that isn't also a board wipe <laughs> for uh, seven yeah. blue blue it's a sorcery with consoles dilemma honestly this is probably the single most famous uh voting card in the game that i'm aware of uh, consoles dilemma starting with you each player votes for time or money for each time vote take an extra turn after this one for each money vote choose a permanent owned by the voter and gain control of it exile expropriate like uh this card wins games it just does. And the salty thing about it is that it's really easy for uh, the other players at the table to kind of uh, turn on each other and eat their own. Because yeah. people are uh, very loss-averse in general. Humans are. They don't want to lose things that they have. And yep. it's really scary and unfun to have your best <laughs> permanent stolen which is what you imagine expropriate will do. It's like, well, I don't want them to take 
my uh, critter hoof behemoth. I don't want them to take my big artifact or my uh, sure. whatever I have on the board. My planner portal. Yeah. My it's, you're you're, af- you're afraid that's uh, <laughs> of losing what you have. So people right. make the wrong decision and they vote to give the other player an extra turn. What are they going to do with an extra turn? Yeah, so here's the problem. As we all know, uh, if a player takes two extra turns, they're almost guaranteed to win. And they're going to yeah. take one extra turn because they're not going to steal something from themselves. They're going to take right. an extra turn. So, especially, especially when you're talking about somebody who's taking more than one extra turn after casting a nine mana sorcery. Like, they're already in a pretty yeah, good position exactly. to be able to do things, and now they're going to do a lot. So we all understand that Expropriate is very, very powerful. It makes people very, very salty. What yep. can we run that isn't Expropriate that's around that kind of power level that's a little more fun? How about Walk the Eons? Okay. It's four blue-blue for sorcery. Target player takes an extra turn after this one. Very common. But it also has buyback, Sacrifice Three Islands. Now, we're getting this extra turn effect that Expropriate has. But instead of just getting a bunch of extra turns, people see the card, they're moaning and groaning. Oh, my God. Uh, (laughs) We have this is a modal effect. You can use this and buy it back to your hand and use it again in another turn. You can use this, buy it back and cast it again if you have more than six mana to throw around and and take two extra turns. Um, But what you can also do because of the buyback is that you can donate extra turns to players, which uh, is not a very common thing to do. I do it with my uh, group hug Emrakul deck, but Mm -hmm. not too many people are on board with that. I think that in a certain kind of deck that Walk the Eons is an include where you can be casting this multiple times. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll let you know this. Yeah. It's in my Damia lands deck. Yeah, I bet it is. Because I, I, there are several cards in there that are, hey, sacrifice lands, put lands on the battlefield, draw card, you know, Gitrog is in there, not because I want to combo off and do the CDH thing with Gitrog, but because... I like drawing a card when I have to sacrifice a land because of random stuff that I have to do in my lands deck. Yeah, if you're in a lands deck with blue, this is freaking great. It's it's really fun to, hey, you know what? You missed your land drop a couple of times, yeah? Hey, why don't you take another turn? Right. Don't worry, I'll get it back. I'll I'll sacrifice three lands. (laughs) And, you know, just, hey, remember in the future. We're friends, right? We're cool. There are a lot of effects in the game that are extra turn effects that say target player takes an extra turn and you could in theory give those to other players, but you wouldn't, you wouldn't necessarily want to do that because uh, then you use it up and without recursion, the spell's gone. But with buyback, the, the resource uh, sort of balancement you're doing in your head is, is different now. It's, it's very fun to be able to, it's, it's almost fun it, it, as a standby to be able to manipulate the game flow to create a more fun game for everybody, right? Yeah, and this is a it's, big one. Giving away an extra turn yeah. really makes you feel like a god. Without, you know, hindering you to the point where you cannot do anything about it. You know, it's, all right, I'm going to do this, and I guess it'll go away forever, which kind of stinks. But no, you can get this back. 
a lot of the extra turn spells where target player takes an extra turn. They exile themselves. You exile yeah. them. Yeah. So you don't have that opportunity unless you're copying it or unless you're doing something crazy with it right at that moment. Buy back on an extra turn spell. Yeah. Sacrificing three islands is a lot. Let's be real. Yeah. But this is pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, this, cool. this is a, a very unique extra turn effect. Also, it's a dollar fifty. So yeah, one of the cheapest you know, ones. That's pretty solid. Um, Alex, thank you very much for uh, for helping me go through some of these staples of cards that I'm like, man, this is a good card. I acknowledge it, but what could be more of course, fun? Mike, it's always a pleasure. I like, but I like I like changing up the ambiguity. Where you know what I mean? Where can our listeners go if they want to try out some of these replacement of cards? Oh man, there's so many places, but two, the one really. that I'd recommend, well, I was going to say the one that I'd recommend is if you wanted to pick up any of these cards, right. whether they're, we're talking about the staples or our replacement staples, uh, you should go to bit.ly slash EDH underscore social. We'll put a link in the show notes. There is our affiliate link with TCG player. You can buy all the cards we talked about, deck boxes, sleeves, etc. You support us and it doesn't cost you anything to buy the cards that you're already going to buy. We appreciate it. Um, we, well, go ahead, Alex. We, I'm sorry. You, you said there are two places. I want to know what the other oh, one. Well, was. it's card kingdom. Oh, that's true. Well, you can we're, get, we're not an affiliate. We got to get an affiliate with them. Hey, do me a They're favor. A Go to Card Kingdom later after we figure that out. But in the meantime, <laughs> use our affiliate link. Or you know, at the same time, it's it's been kind of a rough year and a half or so. Go go support your local game shop if you can, and everybody's you know doing all the the responsible behavior, please. Um, with that said, Alex, where can people find you on social? Sure, you can uh, find me on Twitter at Labramedic. L-A-P-P-E-R-M-E-D-I-C. Uh, or you can email me at alex at edhrec.com. Everybody, we have a Discord link in our show notes as it has gotten pretty interesting talking about a bunch of different cards, a bunch of different effects. Alex, I think, has to spend... I, I think you enjoy doing it, but you do spend a good amount of time answering some judge questions. Sure, I mean, I, I, I subject myself to it. And this that's yeah. not the only server where I do that. Um, sure but this this currently is the only server where i'm the only judge in the server and i can't just yeah, pass it favorite. off to, to other it's, people it's, see it's so great I'll, I'll i'll be happy to edit the podcast as long as i never have to ask any question that i can't just in turn ask you to answer for me <laughs> <laughs> um speaking of our discord server and all of the different places where people can contact us via our email at the social contract edh at gmail.com or following us on Twitter at edh underscore social. Uh, today's the day where we're going to do something a little bit special for our listeners, especially the ones Ooh. that have provided kind of some material for us. So I have my good wheel spinner. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so I have taken all of the different requests whether it was from Twitter, whether it was from our email, whether it was from our Discord, taken all of them, combined them all, and typed them all out in here. And we are at well, Mike, a tell total them, of 35. Tell them what we're doing here, right? Don't just... Yeah, yeah. We're, we're at a total of 35 different entries that are building a deck live next week. Mm -hmm. And it is with the idea of you picking the commander and us giving it the social contracts kind of spin twist yeah. on it you know and 
in my head, I totally understood that this is one going to be like a, oh, make a Feldegriff deck. You know, like, boo. okay. Well, first of all, we don't boo the beautiful. Okay, Feldegriff is great. We want, Thank you. We want something <laughs> a little bit spicier than that, right? Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna do a weird one. You know what I mean? And a lot of these are make a really mean command or something more fun. And a lot of them are just: is there a way to turn this into a more social contracty type of commander? And I've had a lot of fun of reading through these, and we're gonna. I, frankly, we might return to this pretty much uh, pretty soon because I I kind of dig the idea, um, but again, thirty five entries, so click and it's a lot of entries. We have people okay. doubling up. Oh yeah, yeah, we got we got a couple people that are uh, doubling and tripling up. Well, what do we get? Whether they're messaging. Uh, so we've got. All right, I gotta find which place this is in. Also. So I'm not sure if it's Chris Goodhind, Goodhind, but either way, Chris, uh, I'm going to read not your entire Twitter message because it's very long, but I'm going to read a good portion of it. So from Chris, hi, Mike and Alex. I hope this finds you both well and enjoying the summer. I'd like to see both of you build a deck around Piru the Volatile or one of the new legends from D&D that spark interest for you. We're going to stick with Piru because that's the one that you mentioned. I have a playgroup that plays stacks and heavy interaction, which Alex's rules insight has been super helpful. The other half enjoys the group hug pieces that I run. Uh, Piru, the volatile deck seems interesting in the same vein of flooding the board with tokens for all the plan to wipe the board and catapult back ahead with life games seemed explosive. Thanks for the work you put into the cast. It's always enjoyable to listen to. I love hearing you both having fun recording and talking about the in-game feels. Your fellow lover of Hun, Chris, good hind, good hind. I swear I'm going to get it right yeah, after I check here. Uh, Pure of the Volatile but, is a uh, two red, red, white, white, black, black. Yeah. It's a three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Eight mana legendary creature, Elder Dragon, flying uh-huh. lifelink, seven, seven. At the beginning of your upkeep, sacrifice Pure of the Volatile unless you pay red, white, black. When Piru dies, it deals seven damage to each non-legendary creature, and uh, in parentheses, you'll then uh, gain seven life for each non-legendary creature. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Um. So, first of all, I'm very excited. Yeah, how are we going to swing this one? Yeah, this is going to be interesting because here's a couple of challenges we're going to have to figure out here. It's an eight mana, non-green. <laughs> yeah. Commander, I'm I'm thinking uh, I'm thinking we're gonna lean pretty heavily on recursion oh, to yeah. allow it to uh, to die repeatedly. Oh yeah, but I do I do also love the idea of okay giving lots of people tokens, giving people stuff, right? And, and then, then with that, because they yeah. have so much stuff, now we're getting a ton of life. Yeah. All right. Well, Chris. Thank you for uh, for giving us this project. Everybody, thank you very much for su- uh, submitting in requests. And again, this is something we're going to do in the future because one of two things is going to happen. Either Alex and I are going to have a really fun time doing this deck next week, or we're going to have a miserable time trying to figure it out and we're going to want to do it again with another deck. <laughs> so uh, either way, thank you very much for listening and we'll see you next week.